0: And Hello, welcome to another edition of Brunch, a podcast. I am Mike Davis, your host. We are also welcoming you with our executive producer, Harrison Foreman. And today we got a really great show. Um, Our guest is someone who I think you're really going to be very, very, very drawn to. But just once again, to explain what we do here at Brunch, a podcast. So, What we're doing is we are trying to talk with all these really incredible young grinders, hustlers, professionals out there who are doing amazing things and have even much more incredible things to come. So we're talking to Zuckerberg when he was just Mark Zuckerberg. We're talking to Kendrick Lamar when he was just K Dot. We're talking to Ralph Lauren when he was just Ralph Lipschitz. That's what we're doing here. And, Yes, his name was Ralph Lipschitz before Ralph Lauren. But today, we have a really incredible woman. She's 25 years old. Her name is Clara Buchanan, and she is the CEO and founder of HyperGrow, which is a strategy growth marketing firm that uh, works with a lot of incredible companies. She's worked with Webinara, Kitchen Karate, one scientific, and now she's actually doing a lot of stuff with this company called Tribe App, which uh, I definitely want to get a lot into. But um, Clara has been in, mentioned in some great companies. She was recently mentioned by uh, the New Web uh, website and magazine as one of the 22 growth hackers to follow on Twitter, which uh, some pretty great companies. She was with James Altucher, who's great podcaster and uh, writer, Ryan Holiday, Whitney Wolf, who helped build Tinder and uh, now has started Bumble. So this is very exciting. And um, another little caveat to the whole thing is Clara was a Ford model for a really long time. So it's going to be incredible to talk with her. Clara, thanks so much for being here.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So Right away, just to jump in, because I'm a little bit embarrassed, I really don't know what a growth hacker is. Can you explain what that is?
1: Absolutely. So a growth hacker, um, first and foremost, it's a little bit different than a digital marketer, and that's actually a huge debate online right now. Um, Someone said, this is my favorite one, but um, someone said, you call it growth hacking because what you're doing, you don't know that it's digital marketing. I'm like... So I think the term definitely, it has many definitions. It's something that isn't very clear. So I guess my personal definition of what a growth hacker is, is a digital marketer who knows a little bit more than just marketing. Okay. So for example, for myself, I'm usually the first non-technical hire to a company. As a consultant, I come in and i help lay the infrastructure for what's needed. And a lot of that is growth related. So I specialize in marketing, but I know a bit about sales and I know a good amount about products since I've been coding since I was 13. Right. And so it's one of those things like I understand, I understand product and I understand how to make products have like retention mechanisms within them. Um, I understand UX and I know what good UI looks like because now, I've done is, graphic design. What is design.
0: UX and UI?
1: Um, um, so... UI is user interface, okay, and UX is user experience. So the user experience is more so like the psychology of the user, right. um, usability, how they experience your site, and how difficult and or easy it is for exactly. the most part.
0: Now, it's very valuable to have someone like you because you can swiftly transition from, <laughs> like you just did right there, from mm-hmm. technical to more the technical foundational business kind of uh not even language but just the practices and that's very valuable to have in a hire uh an employee or just a consultant because it's it's clear you can communicate through both avenues now one of the things you mentioned there that we got to really talk about is you started coding at 13 (laughs) yeah i did how how did that happen
1: So, um, first, I can think an unengaging school system. (laughs) Right. So, when I was growing up, I grew up in the mountains of Virginia. Wow. And it's a beautiful, fantastic place in the Shenandoah Valley. But I was always uh, a geek, should I say. Like, I had, like, Coke bottle-thick glasses. I watched way too much Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) Okay. I gotcha. (laughs) And uh, when I was about 13, I had a MySpace account. And MySpace and GeoCities and uh, all these websites are popping up, and within these websites, you were able to code your own profile with CSS and HTML. And so, I learned CSS and HTML so I could um, design my
0: MySpace profile page. Oh my god, I didn't realize so MySpace had a pretty pretty good value. I, I never had a MySpace, so I guess that so there was a lot of user creativity there, as opposed to like a traditional like Facebook page today.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, That and a bunch of websites back in the day, like there was a bunch of um, small communities where it was similar to Facebook and you could design your um, profile page, you could design like your groups and your group pages and like everybody um, would start up like little marketplaces where you would use like the internal currency like oh well i have a 1000 posts that mean i that means i have 500 points here let me give you hmm. two of 200 of those for like an animated banner or like a profile design or something and so a lot of us set up these little uh, website shops basically where wow. we would design like icons and banners and uh, photo edits and right. little so, like, profiles to, things
0: so today we're like a 30 something year old would be really experienced because he was really there at the start of like the internet boom and all those kinds of things. You were 13 and in it. Yeah, that, absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Wow. So one of the things we, and I, I want to start from the beginning, because we got to get into Hypergrow and all the crazy, amazing stuff you do, but we have to really talk about your modeling career because there's a lot of people more than you think who actually model. Clara was a Ford model. Ford model, that that's big. I mean, we're talking some of their alumni, or I guess that's what you could say alumni with modeling, but is Christy Brinkley, Naomi Campbell, we're talking Brooke Shields, L McPherson. Those are the types of people, a lot of super, super models. So you are on MySpace. And you were, so You're at 13 you're hacking and then, or, do, or doing all your, sh- you know, all your great crazy shit. And then um, you create this MySpace page and at 15, Ford Modeling reaches out to you via MySpace? So it wasn't Ford themselves.
1: So um, every model doesn't have to have one, but it's it's very great if you do. Um, there's something called a mother agency, which is basically your manager, like right. your manager above uh your agencies in the different fashion capitals. And uh, a mother agent reached out to reached out to me on MySpace. Um, I remember shortly before I was in my living I was in uh, my front lawn with my mom and we had just purchased a little digital camera and I was like, Mom, I need photos for my MySpace account <laughs> She wow. was like, Oh, well, watch out. There's people on there that might not be so good or whatever. <laughs> That's what I, would saying. Say. Right. <laughs> I was like, Come on, mom. All my friends have MySpace photos. And so we went out in the front yard. Um, I took a few photos, put them up on my MySpace account. And like a month later, this lady reached out to me and she was like, Hey, have you ever thought about modeling? And at the time, I replied and I said, no, that sounds like a terrible idea
0: <laughs> well i would be like scared like do you tell your parent? like do you tell your parents like uh, this lady just asked me if she want if i've ever considered modeling through me via myspace
1: yeah. yeah definitely
0: what i so, mean are they initially scared what happens there
1: well this is how that conversation happened um so i like awkwardly go into the living room laptop in hand I look at my mom and I'm like, uh, so mom, um, a neckbeard online that claims to be a woman <laughs>
0: Oh my god!
1: says that she wants me to come to her house in South Carolina and do a photo shoot because she wants me to be a model. Oh, oh my <laughs> how God. Ridiculous. This sounds to like a little rural family in the mountains of Virginia.
0: I'm scared I'm- right now at 23 interviewing right now. I'm starting to get shaky.
1: I know, right? Oh and so my god! My mom, uh, she just looks at me and she's like, "Well, they have a website and stuff, right?" I was like, "Yeah, I mean, they've done some photography. I mean, well, do you want to like try it?" And my mom looks at me; and she's like, "Sure, why not? Wow. What else are you doing?" <laughs> and so, um, my mom actually takes me. My mom takes me to South Carolina. We go out on a limb. Um, it turned out to not be a neckbeard. It turned out to be, it turned out to be a really nice French lady, and wow. she took some shots of me, and then she took me up to New York City. I saw a few agencies, but Ford Models was the first appointment of the day, and they offered me a contract before I left the
0: building. Oh my god! So you uh, okay? Okay, let's slow. We gotta we gotta deconstruct this a little bit because this is amazing. So real quickly when you're 13 okay or, fi- or this is 15, um, 15 yeah. are you very very like are you at school is everybody like oh my god like Clara she's like a model <laughs> I'm serious like are
1: you know uh, what I mean true um so I before let's do the before and after right okay. so there was a dramatic difference so before modeling um I was the goth kid straight up the goth kid. I had as I said I had glasses and I which I took off for that photo shoot in the yard and okay. had to get contacts for going to New York. Right. For the first time. But um so everyone knew me when I left school that semester. Um they knew me as the goth girl with like thick glasses who always had a nose in a book or was always like drawing or sketching or okay. Being like the artsy type and stuff. And so, not I was very introverted. Not a lot of people knew me, except for my friends. And I had, like, maybe three to five, like, good friends. And everyone else, I mean, I was pleasant
0: with, but we weren't, we were, right. like, amusing, right? So, at school, you would dress up, like, when we say gothic, you're saying, like, all black. Just all black. No, like, corpse paint makeup or anything. Okay. Just, like, all black. So, now, why, what made you... In that yard photo shoot with your mom, why it seems like you were treating it uh, psychologically different than like perhaps going to school. Like, why would you change your attire for that photo shoot to post those pictures on, um, uh, onto well, online? What was did, the reason behind that?
1: I see. I didn't change my
0: attire at all. You didn't? No, I just wore black, um,
1: like a black top with like a belt and a long black skirt. Everything that I wore it wasn't necessarily like, oh my god, I'm such a goth rocker. It was one, right. <laughs> it was one of those things that I just I liked black. It described my teenage angst very well.
0: <laughs> okay, I got you. So this French lady who yes. takes you up to New York, did she ever tell you was like that there was something specific, a reason why she thought you could really be a great model?
1: Well, so this, this is a bit silly, but before I actually took her up on the opportunity, should I say, I went down with my mom to meet her and things. Um, I was part of an online community um, of like profiles, little groups, things like that. Um, it was like an alternative community where we were all like gothy and like punk kids and all this stuff. And within that community online, there was like Um, the models group, right, where it's like, oh, you have to be pretty to get in. And I always made a game of, like, trying to see if I could, you know. It's part of that thing when you're a teenager, like, you don't know your place in the world. Right. And so it was like, I was always trying, like, with all these different groups, if there was some sort of um, parameters where you had to check off boxes to get into the group, I would try just because, you know. And Mm -hmm. so – um, I got into one of those groups, and a lot of the girls in there had these beautiful photos taken by for- professional photographers right. where they would be styled up and have their makeup done and their hair done, and they would give these amazing looks. And so I, I definitely studied a lot and absorbed a lot of content, should I say, and like learned from these girls, oh, well, these are good looks. Oh, well, this is what good makeup looks like. And so when I took those photos in the yard, I was serious,
0: you know, I was I like, gotcha.
1: I was super serious. I was like, oh, I have to, I have to show up and I have to perform because i why did you to so these bad. photos. Why did you want it so bad? I wanted, part of me, uh, I wanted to create art. That's really what it was. So I saw from these girls that modeling could be a form of art where you could use your body and dress up with different clothing and accents and makeup and wow. hair. And create I mean, that, this that's persona. so sophisticated,
0: though, for like a young teen, because especially now today with everybody taking selfies and Snapchat and Instagram, all this stuff. I mean, 15 year old girls who are trying to pose, you know, pretty or have, you know, sophisticated looks and stuff. They're not looking at it like art. I mean, almost nobody is. So that's that's pretty interesting
1: we definitely were because it's like um so even if you look at the alternative community today there are and i still have a good amount of friends who are alternative models there's a few of them that very much treat it like art like for example my friend Francois. um so he's the most flamboyant adorable amazing frenchman right and he has this perfectly sculpted jaw and like the perfect hair and everything well, and sounds what he like me. does <laughs>
0: France, well, I'm Francois, is, Francois is my middle name, but we won't get into that.
1: Exactly. I'm like long lost brothers. But <laughs> So Francois, um, he does photo shoots and he does it for fun. And what he does is he designs by hand the entire outfit, right? And he'll make these extremely elaborate like head pieces and neck pieces and all these things wow. so that he can wear them as a model. And he has his favorite makeup artist that he collaborates with. And they're like, they're best friends and she'll do his makeup like all these crazy, awesome ways. And they'll go around shooting with a different photographer like weekly. And so he has all these beautiful images that it's art. It is 100% art. And it's 100% an expression of who he is, Mm -hmm. and what he's capable of doing. And all these girls within these online groups I was a part of, they very much did similar things. A lot of them had a craft as well, whether it be making jewelry or making clothing or sketching and painting or something. A lot of them are artists.
0: I gotcha. So, okay. So fast forward to this meeting at Ford. It's the first meeting of the day. You're there with this French lady. There's a lot of French people in your life between Francois and this manager (laughs) already. Um, So you're at this meeting. What happens? Do they ask you to do something ridiculous? I I mean, this is Ford models. Do they ask you to strip down or like what happens?
1: Um, no, even though I have been asked that by an agency before, um, afterwards, usually for measurements, of course, in a private setting, but, um, so at the moment, the main thing that they did is they measured my height. Okay. They had this very large ruler that was (laughs) laid up against the wall. It was this giant wooden one and they would take it and they pushed it up against the wall and I stood against it. And at the time I was about five,
0: nine and a half. Wow. Yeah. How tall and, are you now? Uh, about 5'10 and a half. Oh my god. Okay, so they're like, "Wow. She's got she's got something right here. That's that's an important ingredient."
1: Well, I I would debate to say height is actually the most important ingredient for models. That and measurements, of course, but it's like if your measurements are technically, quote, overweight or whatever, and then at that point you're just you fall into a different category. You fall into commercial modeling, which frankly can make you a lot more money in many ways. And so it, as long as you have the height, that's the core ingredient for the most part.
0: Really? So so commercial modeling, for example, wh- what would that consist of? So there's different subsects
1: of commercial modeling. Like, for example, um, for me, I did plenty of commercial modeling as well during my modeling career because the fact that I could play the soccer mom, like put me in the right uh... makeup, add some pink blush to my cheeks, and I turn into like this like cheeky, adorable, friendly, Um, thing. And so I did plenty of commercial work as well as fashion work, but there's also the commercial work where it's like plus size modeling and other sort of, uh, it all depends on the clothes you're selling. So for example, if I'm an e-commerce brand that sells to women age, say 35 to 45 years of age, and the price point is a little bit more, um, should I say common point so people can buy it, Those women usually want to see a woman similar to themselves in the clothes so they can see how the clothes would look on them and they can see themselves within that person. Right. And so, those models for that particular demographic might be a bit maybe like a size four, size six, maybe even a size eight versus your normal model. They would think fashion model that would be a zero two. And so, it really depends on who you're selling to. And frankly, it's more intelligent to target. Your user demographic and to represent them in your models,
0: right? Huh. So it just depends. And and while you were with them at Ford, um, you I know you you modeled for Armani, um, L'Oréal, Roberto Cavalli, right? Yes, I did. Some some, uh, some pretty big names there, and th- I mean, you made some pretty good money, I'm assuming, right? Um. Yes, for the most part. But frankly, my burn rate was very high then, too. <laughs> I got you. But you got it out of your system. So, yeah. um, okay. So you you modeled with Ford for about how many years?
1: So I modeled with Ford between um, 2006 and 2009. Okay. And then I took like a year, maybe 2009, maybe like 2010, 2009, 10, something like that. Um, then I quit for a short period of time because Ford got acquired by um, this Russian guy who, to my perception as a model, um, after he acquired the company, the entire board switched. Like all of our bookers switched with women. All the bookers from women came over to Ford. And about a week before the chaos ensued, my booker was stressed out. And that's all I knew, that she was stressed out and Mm. she wasn't having it. And for me as the model, I looked at her and I thought, wow, she's mishandling my career. Like I'm sorry, I don't know what's on your plate as a human. Like I don't know, but in the workplace, your one job is to take care of me and to place and me. So she's flustered, and
0: you, yeah, right. So and that's and at this point in time, even though you were that you know that geeky girl who um, was coding and knew all this tremendous technology and had this great skill set, mm-hmm. were you anticipating? Modeling being your like full time career for for a very long time, like this is going to be my profession
1: ish okay. so the logical part of me said, you know the beauty fades, it's something that is here now, you should utilize it now, but it's definitely not the future, but I had no idea what the future held at all right i I had no idea what I was good at even or um, where my place was in the world aside from modeling but i i've always had the inner confidence to know i'll figure it out
0: right and so i wasn't really worried about it so at this point though i mean you had skipped college right um were you formal college yes okay so you were so you were really modeling full-time it was like did you did you graduate from high school
1: Yes, um, Ford did, at least my booker, I don't want to say Ford is like an entire expression of the company itself, but my booker at the time, my specific booker, pressured me to not finish high school. Wow. She pressured me to skip out on my senior year and come model in New York City because quote, some big clients were looking at me, which sure they were, but at the same time, it's like my, I need to at least finish high school. I <laughs> right, mean, come right. on. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it was very obvious for me to look at her and say, that is not going to happen. I did, I was accepted to an acting college or pre-college sort of scenario in Virginia. Um, It was a pretty prestigious program. I can't really remember the name of it, but they only accepted like maybe 40, 50 students, something like that across uh, Virginia and Kentucky each year. And I was one of the ones that was accepted and I was really excited to go. And I actually ended up skipping out on that part of school while finishing up all my regular schooling for high school so that I could come to New York. Right.
0: And now, you know, and I don't want this whole interview to be about modeling, but one of the things that's really incredible about Clara, and she'll explain it a little further, is that being a model isn't as easy as just, you know, you show up and your manager takes care of things. There's a lot of business qualities that have really, really helped Clara now and in her kind of second life, as you would say, Um, but that are really, she really built up as a model. So being able to self-brand, being able to market, all those kinds of things, market yourself. You really, um, you really worked on these things. It was almost a great teaching time for you while you were modeling, right? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, what, so tell me because... Okay. A couple of things. So one, how does a regular model get to really a, a supermodel status? Is it a a really great understanding of those business qualities that takes them to that next level?
1: Absolutely. So, um, to rise as a model is the same, very much the same as it is to rise to a powerful CEO position. It's very similar.
0: Right. And as a CEO, and this is the funny thing, it's going to sound crazy, but you know, they're not choosing a CEO based on looks and they're probably not even choosing a model based on looks. I mean, there's a lot of things that sure it's part of the equation, but there's a lot of, there's a ton of models. So for somebody to get to a supermodel status, there has to be these extra qualities. And Uh what, what are some of those things that you were building on when, when you were modeling? So,
1: There's there's numerous
0: things. First and foremost, modeling teaches you grit.
1: It really teaches you grit, and that's the one thing that serves you so well in modeling. So, for example, when I was a model, I would have four to eight castings a day. And what that means is I would have four to eight job interviews every day that I wasn't working. Four to eight times in a day that I would walk into someone else's office or someone else's studio or someone else's – say, like, their brand, like, say, Macy's or something like that, like, walk into their building. And it, I would be walking into these places, a lot of which were very beautiful buildings, very, like, multimillion-dollar establishments. And I'd be walking in in my best outfit with my heels and my portfolio. And the thing about it is that I'm competing against a lot, usually a lot, of other women that look visually very similar to myself. And sometimes you see them. Sometimes you walk into castings and there's hordes of girls standing there waiting to be seen. And most of them look just like you. Nice. Most of them for me would be blonde and likely Russian or European. I have very European facial structure. so, And most of these girls would be dressed similarly to one another, like whatever's in style. Um, some people would have like their own sort of style that was unique. But we would all just be variants of one another, just there waiting and competing for the same job. And we were always friendly and nice and understanding and soft with one another. But it takes grit to walk into a casting four to eight times a day under those scenarios and be seen and interviewed. And maybe the client likes you, maybe they don't, maybe they see your look or your hip measurement or something, and it doesn't work for their line, you know? So they'll see it and they'll be like, okay, next. And that is what they say. But as the model, the only thing that you hear normally, if you don't see deeper and if you don't have empathy and if you don't understand at face value, what the model hears is next, next, or her hips are too big or, her right. face isn't what we're looking for, or her hair's too short, or et cetera. And to a good amount of models, that can break you down.
0: Right. And what happens is this is because this is how I would handle it. the The tough thing is, like, let's just say you're you're a brand manager. You're trying to sell any sort of product. Let's just say yeah. it's a cookie. Okay. If somebody turns down your cookie, okay, like there's not enough chocolate chips in there, Clara. So it's like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna start putting some more chocolate chips in. If somebody turns your your product down, but the product is you, mm-hmm. that's really a, a difficult thing to deal with. And then I'm I'm sure a lot of these successful models have to start separating them themselves from themselves the brand or the cookie per se. Absolutely. That's and cool.
1: it's it's very much the same as if hypothetically say You have a website or say you do have a cookie, right? So if one person says that it's not enough chocolate chips, but three of the next people say, oh, well, it's perfect. And you change the cookie based on that one person. True. And then you're, you're misrepresenting your brand. You're not doing cohesive market research. I gotcha. And so you'd have to survey more people to see, wait, should we put more chocolate chips in it? Because if this is a popular thing, we should probably do it. Um, Similar to modeling, it's the fact that you're not going to be right for everybody. You're not. It's just like a shampoo isn't right for everyone, or right. a cookie. You do have to. You have to itemize your visual appearance, and you have to look at it as if it is uh, a mannequin or some sort of drapery for clothing, for the most part, because the fact it's very it's very surface and physical things. It's like, for example. If their stock sample gene is in a size 24 and you're 26 or something, and then it's just not going to work out. And that's just logistics. It's yeah. nothing to do about who you are as a person. It's about just your body shape is not right for that particular brand. But tomorrow or later on that afternoon, it might be right for one of those people.
0: Right. But it's so it's... T- it's tough to understand that at such a young age. But I want to I want to sure. kind of fast forward a little bit and I want to get okay. a little bit more into Hypergrow. So, um so let's just say we'll sum up your modeling experience as basically you you were very successful. You were having a great time with it, but even more importantly, it was almost like you got your Malcolm Gladwell 10 hours of pretty much marketing and growth uh growth uh for these companies that you do now, you kind of got those hours in while you were modeling. so it it really serviced a great function. and um, after you stopped modeling, how tell me how you started this hypergrow company you have now and how it formulated and developed?
1: So first and foremost, I'll give you the transition story. So around eighteen, um, I've always been a mother hen to okay. <laughs> to other young models getting into the industry. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of other stuff because it, it's a Willy Wonka ticket into the one percent of society. It really is. So I would always have like this mother hen complex where I'd look after like um, young models looking in, to get into the industry, make sure they were safe and things informed. Um, and I noticed at eighteen that I thought, well, maybe uh, I could try my hand at managing a few of these girls that I'm a mother hen to. So I managed like two girls' careers. I taught them how to walk and connected them with photographers. And then Instagram was becoming a thing or very close to it. And I was like, well, this is going to be a thing. Like you need to have an audience on Instagram. The reason why is because it's a distribution channel if you have a sizable audience on Instagram to the point that it's more so than these brands and they'll likely use you. And they were like, right. Oh, that's smart. And I was like, I know I'm figuring it out. <laughs> um, then I dated a boy who's a classical musician and he wanted to do a tour in North America, but he wasn't from here. And so I thought, well, let me help you. Cause you're very obviously stressed out about this. Um, I was the girlfriend at the time that meant that I was supportive and loving and that means I'm your partner. Like I'm in it. <laughs> right. And so I took over the marketing and I did everything that I could to support him and to grow the social media accounts and to distribute um, news and information about the tour. I built him a website. Um, We ended up partnering with AEG and Live Nation. And so they financially backed everything that I was doing um, with Facebook advertising, et cetera. So I got to really dive in and try my hand and had the freedom to say, okay, well, I designed this. Let's see what, let's see what works.
0: And that was so. How how does that even come about? Like, how does Live Nation get into the conversation? I mean, was he a bit was he a huge classical musician, or was it a lot of the stuff you were doing on your end?
1: Well, he was signed by Sony, okay. And so there's that. Um, He had within the album, it was the most. He was like all hyped about this, but it was the most uh, Grammys ever within a single album. He spent like $4 million or something bringing together the album, pay, um, paying these people that were the best at their craft in the world what kind to of music, come and play. What, what kind
0: of musician was he?
1: So he was Iranian, but um, he took the Iranian version of music and then came to Juilliard in New York City when he was about 18. And he wow. studied the, uh, the Western note scale. And then later on in life, he found that he used mathematics, he was very mathematically intelligent, but he, he uh, fused the Middle Eastern note scale with the Western note scale and created these certain uh, dissonant and resonant tones mixed with, with, mixed with chromatic that was very beautiful and fantastic, but extremely difficult to play for Western musicians. And so because it wasn't the Western note scale, they didn't know. And so he hired the best in the world because of the fact he had to train them about how to play his note scale,
0: huh, so you got in there and you started really handling you know him not only as a manager but as um a technical person on the business side. You would really manage him but also really work on his brand
1: well, for him as an entity, he was a very headstrong like intelligent, uh, person. So for him, he, he was his brand. Like he was such a vibrant personality. It's kind of hard to package something that already is so vibrant. And so for him, he already has it. He already had his brand. He had a very large following back in Iran and things like that, that we helped capture and utilize, um, to help spread the word about his U S tour as well. But so a lot of the branding and a good amount of the business as well, when it comes to connections and when it comes to, Oh well, I have these like patrons that want to come um, to the concert as well. Like, oh, I have this contact to Vanity Fair. Let's get me an interview with Vanity Fair in there. Um, things like this. He was. He comes from a very um, prestigious family as well, so it's one of those things that a lot of the business was ingrained in who he was as a person. Okay. And he was very socialite-y, et cetera, and so it just worked. Now, for me personally, I I was always a support system in the fact of. He has a business idea that he wants to do. Well, this is my opinion. You have this thing that you want to do. Well, this is my opinion. And this is how it correlates with the thing around you. So I was always uh, I was always the overhead view. I, got I was you. always someone who could step out from the equation and say, well, this is the big picture. Like this is what that correlates with around you. And this is how it all flows together. Um, I would do everything to help from, as a said, Cody and his website. I'd edit um, all of his English emails because english wasn't his first language and so i'd be sure to like edit them make them sound very elegant um i'd coordinate like i'd book the hotel rooms for the musicians and i would coordinate um basically like sending the music to the musicians for change and anything right. i anything i needed to help on um the way i saw it is very similar to modeling in the fact of i have two hands and i'm willing to help like i have time like i have time to learn new things and so right. let's do it
0: so, so, na-
1: so it's like, mostly marketing, though.
0: Now, would you say, you know, if you were doing this, let's say for a rock and roll band, there would probably be some great stories. Is cl- classical musicians kind of what are they like? Is it exciting stuff or are they kind of classical, <laughs> <Are they kinda laughs> classical musicians? Are
1: they kind of classical musicians? Well,. I mean, he was a character. He was definitely... He was a rock star in his can, own and can we, mind.
0: I don't want to give your ex-boyfriend a plug, but can, what, what do you mind if we ask what his name was?
1: Um, I mean, t- frankly, I've given you enough detail that you could probably <laughs> place him, but... I mean...
0: It's not uh, like Itzhak Perlman or someone.
1: Yeah, fine, I'll say it. His name is Hephaz Naziri.
0: Okay, I didn't even hear that, but okay. Um... I was just curious just if any of our listeners want to check that out. But um, so you really got a great uh, learning uh, experience through management, uh, marketing and all those sorts of things. And you had these big companies coming in that you were dealing with, like a live nation and stuff. So you really were you were in the thick of it. I mean, this was pretty crazy experience for like a 23 year old. How old were you at this time? Like 22. Wow. Wow. So then explain, so you got that kind of experience, and now how does hyper grow form from that?
1: So after that, like, I obviously couldn't go back to modeling. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, I was like, whoa, like, I figured out that I might be good at something, and this worked, and so why would I go back to modeling? Like, I, I'm i already on this path. I'm starting to feed my brain. I'm excited to master something new. Um so after uh after the tour in north america he decided to move back to ron and to sort of do his thing there which was fantastic because he had a major following they were all hyped about the u.s tour and its success and things and so we broke up and I, it was time for me to decide i was like well what what am i going to do with the rest of my life like now i know there's more aside from modeling and so at the time uh a friend of mine, he was doing a real estate startup. His last company had been acquired by like some Saudi Arabian guys, and so um, they, after they bought him out, he was basically well, I'll just starting new. He started a luxury real estate company, and we were drunk at four a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and best. I looked, I know, and I looked at him, and I was like, you know, you should like totally let me come in and like help with marketing. <laughs> And he was like, "You start tomorrow at noon."
0: Oh my and I remember god! I Looking
1: at my phone and being like, "It's four now."
0: <laughs> wow, I'll be there in a few hours.
1: Exactly. I was like, "Well, um, yeah, you know, we're not sleeping tonight, right? Like, I this this isn't great, but I'll do it." <laughs> wow, I'm there. <laughs> and so that that started, and that happened for uh, about three months. That I came in and I was. Um, One of the very first marketing person, if not the first marketing person. And I was surrounded by like some graphic designers, but mostly like real estate agents. And I remember that was very relative to my modeling career at the time. I was like, wait, I was a freelance entity for the most part too. Oh, you have to do all this stuff. I had to do all that stuff. Wow. Yeah. And I ended up um, branding a few buildings, like thinking like color schemes and like logos and um, was photo editing photos, headshots, things like that, sort of simplistic things Um, I was taking meetings with companies like The Real Deal, et cetera, um, for learning about like uh, price points for their magazines and advertisement spaces and website advertisement spaces and all these things. And so um, I think my greatest advantage throughout life has just been I've always accepted responsibility. I've always been the first one to sort of perk up and be like, I'll do it. And so, yeah, and so I just naturally take on more and more responsibility because I'm, I'm engaged and I'm, like, willing to do things. Right. And then after that, I was like, well, I want to get into tech. Like, I know, I know that tech's a new frontier. I, wanted, I really evaluated my life and I said, I really want to be around the people who are shaping the world. That's what I want to do. I want to make sure that I am shaping the world in a positive way and I want to be around people that are doing the same. And I realized that that was in tech.
0: Right. Especially nowadays. I mean, that it's, that's every, people don't even want to be rock stars or athletes anymore. (laughs) They want to be techs. That's, that's where everything's at. And, um, so we're actually, uh, we're running out of, out of time a little bit. I think we may do some bonus track material with, um, Clara, but a couple things that I, uh, have to get into before we finish up here. So, um explain this tribe app that you're working with right now with uh, hypergrow
1: so nowadays um as i said i'm a growth hacker i come into the companies as the first non technical um person usually or at least the first marketing hire and so as a consultant i'll come into the company i'll see what they have i'm like well, do you have a logo do you have color schemes do you have what does your website look like? What phase of funding are you at? Are you angel phase? Are you friends and family? Should I say? Are you seed are you series A like right. how much have you raised and who who from? are you have you applied to an accelerator? If not cool? Are you revenue positive yet? Are you not? How far are out are you from that? And so there's all sorts of things to look at when when looking at a business and seeing well is it appropriate for us to work together. And Tribe, um, most recently, is my favorite client, <laughs> which I'm like, all my other clients, they're probably going to be like, hey. They're going to be upset. <laughs> the tribe is. but The Tribe, uh, they came to me and the founder, so he's, uh, he's, from, he's Finnish. He's from Helsinki. And a lot of the group um, are Finnish. And I, I love Finnish people. It's such a odd thing to yeah. think about. But I, I, I
0: love Finnish people, too.
1: And it's like every Finnish person I've ever met has just been nice, just super nice and pleasant. But so their application and website mostly it's like seamless. But for chefs, okay. So instead of ordering from a restaurant, you would order from a chef, which would be like a culinary student or a select anything from like a celebrity chef to a culinary student to a certified home cook.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and for me personally, I'm targeting there's the food ecosystem for like influencer marketing. And any sort of like online community, food is where it's at. It very much is. From what I've observed, it's the most collaborative community online. They're constantly featuring one another and working with one another and supporting one another and creating together and doing collaborations. There's some amazing artisans in the food community that are making not only beautiful desserts and beautiful food, but then photog- photographing it well and doing amazing cookbooks and youtube videos and getting on shows and things there's there's so much there. And so when they came to me with the idea and was like, "Hey, well, we we need you. We need someone like you with your skill set that can not only think technically but help us shape the concept of the business from a very informed sort of like marketing and product side." And so I was excited. I was like, "Heck yes. Like, let me get in this."
0: Right. Right. Wow. So, um we we got to talk to Clara more. We have a, a minute left on this part one here, but um, we're going to do a part two and get a little bit deeper into uh, hypergrow, uh, some business tactics, some things that Clara can uh, recommend for anyone out there who's trying to start up their own business or um even for employees, some good tips. And uh, I also have a couple more modeling questions. I I have to. I I can't refrain. So we're going to have to touch on a couple more things on that area. But uh, we will be right back with Clara in part two. Thanks.